0: It's lurking in the classroom, in your home, in your pocket. It's disruptive. It may even be trying to steal your job. It's ChatGPT, an artificial intelligence-based tool that can answer questions, hold a conversation, and crank out long swaths of text almost instantly. Is it actually scary, or is it a useful tool? How will it change the way we live, work, and write? And is it really going to steal our jobs, spread rampant misinformation, or make our children illiterate? It's something we all have to think about, but it's especially pertinent to writing instructors. This kind of
1: panic about the end of literacy and the end of knowledge and the end of intellectualism, I think, always kind of pops up with new technologies. And so I tried to kind of pull back from that and think, okay, this is sort of like Pandora's box. It's here now, and I can't close it back up. So now I have to think about how to teach with this and how to deal with this.
0: Welcome to the Y Magazine podcast, bringing you ideas, stories, and voices from Brigham Young University. I'm Whitney Archibald, and the voice you heard in the intro was Meredith Reed, one of the intrepid BYU writing professors who navigated this uncharted territory of ChatGPT the very first semester it was available in winter 2023. Today we're going to talk to Reid about what she and her students thought about ChatGPT and how she thinks it will be helpful and not so helpful for writers. Should we fear or embrace this new technology? How will it change the way we write, teach, work, and access information? This episode is based on an article in the Spring 2023 issue of Y Magazine, iChatBot, written by Sarah Smith Atwood and co-written by ChatGPT. The article explores ChatGPT and other AI tools like Image Generator Doll E, with perspectives from faculty in both the computer science and writing departments. Before we jump into our conversation with Meredith Reed, we should probably cover some of the basics about what ChatGPT even is. And to do that, let's get some answers straight from the horses, er, processor, and have our own chat with ChatGPT. So, ChatGPT, what exactly are you?
2: I am a large language model created by OpenAI. I am designed to interact with humans in natural language and provide helpful responses to a wide range of queries and tasks. I have been trained on a vast corpus of text data from the internet, including books, articles, and web pages, and can generate high-quality responses to a variety of questions and prompts. How can you help us humans with the writing process? I have several features that can be useful for writers. Here are some of them. 1. Generating text. 2. Spelling and grammar checking. 3. Language translation. 4. Summarization. 5. Sentence completion. 6. Writing prompts. 7. Content analysis. I can analyze text to identify themes, patterns, and trends, helping writers to understand their audience, improve their writing, and make data-driven decisions about what to write. So, ChatGPT, what are you not so good at? As an AI language model, I have some limitations that are important to be aware of. Here are some of the main ones. Lack of common sense. Inability to understand context inability to have emotions, limited knowledge. While I have access to a vast amount of information, there may be topics or domains where my knowledge is limited or outdated. This can result in incomplete or incorrect responses.
0: And my last question, I'm a writer, are you trying to steal my job?
2: No, I am not trying to steal your job as a writer. As an AI language model, I am a tool that can be used to assist writers in various tasks, such as generating ideas, improving language usage, and providing inspiration. However, I am not capable of replicating the full range of creative and artistic expression that human writers are capable of. That's what it says anyway.
0: But isn't that what someone would say if they were trying to steal your job? As you can see, ChatGPT's response was grammatical and even conversational, but a little boring. You would probably turn this podcast off if you thought I was going to interview ChatGPT for the whole episode. I should also clarify that at the time of this episode, we're talking about and chatting with ChatGPT 3.5, which is currently free to use if you make an account at chat.openai.com. ChatGPT 4, a new and improved version, is also currently available with a paid subscription model. But many companies are already integrating the technology into their products, from finance to search engines to education to customer service, so you may already be using it without realizing it. Whatever you think about ChatGPT, it served its purpose quite well just now, doing some basic research and getting the boring stuff out of the way, so I could jump right into a more interesting conversation with an actual person, Meredith Reed. I started by asking her when she first encountered ChatGPT. My first introduction to
1: ChatGPT was in December when one of my colleagues sent out an email to me and other writing faculty of what he had done playing around with it. So we we kind of had this conversation as writing faculty about, well, what is this? What does this mean for how we teach writing? And I immediately started thinking about what this meant for my own classroom.
0: So yeah. when you were all talking, what was the overall tone? Were you nervous about it? Were you excited about it? Um, I think mixed. I think You know, my gut reaction, and I think this is probably
1: true of a lot of writing faculty, is this sort of, like, this is the end of the world. Like, this is the end of our jobs. Who's going to want to learn writing now? Especially in the GE courses that I teach. I think our English majors have an interest in writing aside from this. But it's already been a struggle to convince engineers that they need to know how to write in a GE course. And is this just going to sort of end that question for them? So, yeah, I think for me there was panic initially. But I kind of tried to pull back from that because, you know, the history of technological innovation and the history of the innovation of writing tools is always like this. There's always a little bit of panic of, is this the end of literacy because of this new tool? People thought that with TV. People even thought that with the invention of writing, right? Socrates was like, writing is going to ruin people's brains because they don't have to remember anything anymore. They can just write it down, right? So... For me, and I think for a lot of writing faculty, we kind of went into problem-solving mode, which part of that has been really nice for me. It's made me really think about what's important to me as a teacher, what writing skills are essential. You know, even since I started teaching in 2009, grammar checks have gotten a lot better and I've never minded those. And obviously, ChatGPT is in a whole other category than grammar checks. But some of this machine assistance with writing has already existed for a long time. And so thinking about what this now means has been interesting for me as a teacher. It makes me think more creatively about my classroom.
0: Interesting. I like that. And I did not know that about Socrates. That kind of cracks me up, actually, because we know as a society how much benefit we've gained from writing things down and being able Mm -hmm. to read, say, the Writings of Socrates. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's so interesting. Um, Okay, so when you introduced this, I know your first impressions, what were some of the concerns that students brought up, or were they excited? I think they had
1: mixed feelings, too. I think they were blown away by its capacity, like that it did sound so human and that they couldn't immediately tell that this was written by a machine. So I was teaching first year writing this semester. So on the first day of class, I brought it up and I, I, I first had them do a little writing exercise, like a pretty typical exercise for a writing class, which is writing a literacy narrative. So I gave them like 10 minutes to write about their background and learning to write and their experiences with writing in the past. They wrote those and then I projected for them what ChatGPT had written to the same prompt. And they were shocked by it. Most of them hadn't heard of ChatGPT. They didn't know that a machine could write in a way that sounded this human. And we just talked about its strengths and its weaknesses, what it did well with the prompt, what they did better with the prompt in their own writing. And they generally felt like their voice was more personable and stronger. But ChatGPT also made them aware of like topics that they didn't address that they maybe wanted to I also kind of pointed out how ChatGPT because it's you know a predictive text modeling and it looks at you know what words are most likely to appear next to each other in response to certain prompts it can really fall into clichés if you don't prompt it and revise it and so I I pointed out to them that this is a way to avoid clichés you could see what ChatGPT generates and you could see okay the typical structure of a literacy narrative is to talk about how your parents read to you and how you loved reading. And then, you know, usually it's middle school and you start learning grammar and then you hate writing and reading. And that same story I've read a million times from students and ChatGPT told a similar story. So they realized, oh, maybe I don't want to start this way or maybe you want to do something different. So that's, that's kind of where it started for me this semester. But it's moving so fast, I feel like I can't keep up with it.
0: <laughs> totally, yeah. I mean... I've even seen improvements from when I started playing around with it till now. Mm -hmm. So it's crazy. Mm -hmm. My very first interaction with ChatGPT was, it was my sister's birthday, and I just wrote her three limericks just about her for her birthday, you know, and I put it in our family group text. And my brother asked ChatGPT to write a limerick about her, and his prompt was, write a limerick, about a woman who likes to perform and is a singer and, you know, and then it came up with what was pretty generic, but it was a decent limerick. And then everybody else chimed in and my whole family was suddenly writing limericks and we, each one trying to get more interesting and funny than the others. And we very easily surpassed Chat GPT, but it was a pretty fun exercise trying to outdo it. So what are some of the other ways you experimented with ChatGPT last semester? I did design
1: an assignment. The prompt was write an essay about the pros and cons of using a tool like ChatGPT as a college writer. And I did the same thing where they wrote an essay in class in response to that prompt. And then I showed them what ChatGPT produced. And then then they had to revise what they wrote. And they could pull whatever they wanted from the ChatGPT essay. They could even turn in the ChatGPT essay if they wanted, but they had to come up with the final version that they thought was the best version of the essay, the best response to that prompt or to that question. And then they had to write a a reflective analysis about their experience in writing that. So the reflective analysis was interesting because it showed sort of the range of their responses to writing a machine. I had one student who the first line of her essay was, I hate this. Writing should be done by humans. I don't like this. I feel weird about it. And other students who felt like I recognize that my voice is a little more human than the machine, but I still like the machine's essay better. I think it's well organized. I think it's structured better. I think it didn't leave out ideas or topics. It covered everything better than I did. Most of them were kind of somewhere in the middle, liking some of their ideas, but also pulling stuff from ChatGPT and feeling like it was useful, but they They also kind of could see some of its weaknesses. So yeah, there's mixed reactions. Some of them felt like I don't really have any interest in ever using this again as part of my writing. And others were saying, yeah, I think this is actually a really useful tool and I would like to use it to brainstorm or to figure out how to organize my essays or to check my grammar or things like that.
0: Yeah, what a cool position to be in the very first semester that ChatGPT is available To be able to experiment with it. And it's, I mean, obviously it's going to change and grow and become better, but kind of cool to be in the position that you're in, to be able to be on the frontier.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think there is this like sort of valuable, like creative part of it, of that I, you know, I am rethinking my teaching. I still sometimes feel some of the anxiety and fear that I initially felt about where this tool is going. Because another thing I did with my students, they're working on opinion editorials right now in my first year writing class. And I, as an example in class, I, I went into ChatGPT and I asked it to write an opinion editorial on why Utah should get rid of daylight saving time. And I pulled another opinion editorial written by a human that was published in the Deseret News on the same topic. And this one with ChatGPT, I did ask it to do a little bit of revision. I said, you know, your introduction's boring, like rewrite it so it sounds more like a human and do this. And I tried to prompt it to fix some of the weaknesses. And I brought those two to class and had them analyze them. And I didn't tell them that one was written by a machine. I just said, read these two, tell me which one you think is more persuasive and which one you think is more engaging. And they found the human's essay more engaging but they they thought ChatGPT's was more persuasive because it referenced a lot of research and it had all this evidence. But then we started looking at the evidence as a class and a lot of it is made up. The programmers behind ChatGPT call it a hallucination where ChatGPT will hallucinate information and facts and, and resources that don't exist. And it will often do it in a really convincing way. So it will mention a real journal and even real researchers names that work on that issue. But that particular article was never published in that journal. or, you know, in the one that we looked at, it did reference a real study, but it gave the wrong percentage and the wrong evidence from that study. So that wow, that, <laughs> that makes me very nervous. And this yes. is one reason why I want to talk to my students about it, because this is an interesting tool. It's a powerful tool. It could be really great in many ways. But there's also a lot of danger for what this tool will do to our society, a society that's already struggling with getting factual good information and, and evaluating information and just, you know figuring out what's factual and what's not. So this could just create even more struggles for that. It's fun to experiment with ChatGPT, but I also feel this sort of moral responsibility as a teacher that I have to talk about it with my students because it is going to transform so much of what we do as writers, as researchers in the workplace. And I want them to know things like you you should not just take what it says at face value, because it, it does make stuff up and you need to fact check
0: the machine. Right. So on one hand, it has the potential to, to turn our critical thinking up and to like be more skeptical of anything we read and especially anything we read from chat GBT. But how many people are going to not understand that or not know about that risk and just Mm -hmm. take it at face value. Mm -hmm. Okay, so did you have any guidelines or rules for your students around how they use ChatGPT through the course? It has sort of
1: been on an assignment-by-assignment basis. With my first-year students, so I have had some assignments where I've said, you can use it if you want on this I have a student who has found it really interesting. And so he's pushed a lot of his assignments through it. And what he'll do is he'll write his version of the assignment and he'll turn that in. And then he'll also turn into me like a ChatGPT version and a few of his thoughts on what ChatGPT did with it. So it's extra work for him, but it's really interesting how he's experimenting with it. In my upper level class, in my professional writing class, I have told them that they can use it on most of their assignments if they want to. They just need to tell me when they're using it and how they're using it. So far, n- nobody's really been using it. They've used it a little bit to generate, like to brainstorm ideas, or they had to do some primary research in that class where so they generated interview questions or survey questions using ChatGPT. But for the most part, my students, are they're doing their own writing. I think it's still so new for students that they're not sure how much they want to use it or how much they want to experiment with it too. I do have plans in the future to probably incorporate it more, but it will depend on what form it takes, right? With Microsoft's investment, uh, when it becomes part of Microsoft 365, which our students have subscriptions to just being a student at BYU, if there's a sort of an easier way for them to access it, I probably would incorporate it more, have them do revision activities in class with it or... Um, brainstorming and and compare that with more traditional approaches to brainstorming activities or revision activities uh, for me, anytime I use it i want I want there to be sort of critical reflection around how we 're using it what 's useful about it what 's not
0: and some fact checking it sounds like
1: <laughs> yes yeah well and, and that 's something that I want them to think about is like there's some things that this machine is really good at, and there 's other things it 's really terrible at research it 's not so good at. Um, at least finding research and giving you that information, evaluating the information, citing information—it's not very good at. But some of my colleagues have experimented with feeding articles into it and having it summarize those articles, and it can be—it's—it's it's good at that. So synthesis, summary, um, analysis of something that you fed into it—it it can do some interesting things with that. But I wouldn't trust it to find and evaluate my sources for a research paper at
0: this point in its development. Right. I mean, they even put warnings when you first mm-hmm. enter mm-hmm. the program, which, you know, probably will help a little bit. But one of the things it warns against is that the information is outdated, even. Like, it's based on 2021 yeah. information. So mm-hmm. that right there gives you pause. and um Definitely not a source for news or, or uh, political opinions or things like that. So now that you've used it in a classroom, how have your fears and your, your general impressions of it changed from that encounter in December to now? Are you less nervous or more nervous about it? Um, I don't know.
1: I think I'm nervous about different things. <laughs> I'm less nervous about other things. I mean, you know, the the first thought is if ChatGPT can generate an essay in 5 seconds for my students, what, you know, what's the point of my prompts? I need to rethink my prompts. I still feel that way. I'm not very concerned about cheating. A tool like this is really powerful, but I don't feel like that's suddenly going to change the ethics of our students. There are students that have always wanted to cheat, usually because they're under a lot of pressure or stress and they're they're looking for a way to relieve that. That's a small percentage of our students and I don't anticipate that getting bigger. You know, even this semester in letting my students use it, they haven't been that interested in it yet. And I haven't received anything that looks like cheating to me from my students this semester or that looks like they've used the machine just to kind of glide through an assignment. So I don't have fears about that. I have fears about information literacy and the impact of this on that. I have concerns about the ethics of the sort of for-profit model that a lot of these things are turning to. If, if this kind of machine gives you a huge edge in terms of productivity or um, access to information, but it's something you have to pay for, I have I have concerns about that, right? Um and I, I think I have concerns about just the, the unknown of all of this. The, the, it's developing so fast. I'm experimenting it in, with my, in my classroom, but I feel like what happens this fall in my classroom is probably going to look very different. So even talking about this with you, it's like, OK, yeah, this is what I did this semester, but maybe next month this is going to be an outdated approach to talking about the machine with students. So I think some of my nervousness is about that. This is developing so fast that I'm not sure where it's going. And as a teacher, especially just coming through COVID where we already had to adapt a lot of our instructional approach to remote teaching, it feels like here's another like, big challenge where we have to rethink a lot of what we do. And that's an opportunity, but it also makes me nervous.
0: Yeah, how does it, how does it change and define the way we think about creativity? I mean, one of my thoughts early on, and I think I still think this about ChatGPT,
1: is I hope this is an opportunity for me to raise expectations for my students, raise expectations for the style of their writing. I mean, when spell checkers and grammar checkers came out, I didn't have to worry as much about, you know, spending a lot of instructional time on misspellings or basic grammar mistakes because the machine could catch those for them. But my students still make a lot of errors like comma splices, and ChatGPT may get rid of those, too. But I'm hoping if students sort of have this opportunity to write correctly, easily, what can I expect them from them in terms of creativity or style or uh, those kinds of things in their writing? So I am, I'm excited about the possibilities there that I could sort of raise their expectations or we could spend time thinking about style and structure in ways that move far beyond correctness.
0: Yeah, I I think that's one of the ways that we can think about this is well, we all have experience with spell check and I have mm-hmm. one child in particular that he cannot spell to save his life. I mean, he just mm-hmm. ever since he was he started writing, it's been ridiculous what he comes up with spelling-wise. And I worried a little bit about spellcheck, like, oh, is he never going to learn this? But I don't think he was going to learn that skill anyway. I think it's only been helpful for him <laughs> to be able to communicate with spellcheck. And I, I see that the possibility of this serving the same purpose for people who struggle to get their ideas across, but they have good ideas, this may mm-hmm. be a tool that allows us to access those ideas a little bit better.
1: Yeah, I think it could be an equalizer in that way. And I think anytime we have new technologies, some things are lost. You know, just like when writing entered the world, we did lose some things about oral culture and memory that a lot of us, those are skills we don't develop anymore. Spelling is another good example. A lot of us don't have to learn how to spell as carefully uh, because the spell checker can do it. And I, I think AI on a on a very big scale, bigger than the spell checker obviously, um, presents some opportunities for that too. I think the question it raises for me is what what are we losing and are those things we do we want to lose or not? You know, yeah. when I talk to some of my students, I was talking to my professional writing students about AI the other day, there's certain professional writing tasks that really are just kind of drudgery. You know, moving through your email every day and keeping track of those things. It doesn't require a lot of human creativity, but it requires a lot of human time and labor. And this could get rid of some of those those tasks. But at the same time, I worry about students who no longer are going to like stare down the blank page when they're starting a paper. They're going to just go to ChatGPT and say, give me some ideas uh, for writing this paper. And they don't have to like sort of struggle with idea development. And I think for certain kinds of projects and certain kinds of writing tasks. I think we could lose a lot that I I don't want to see lost about the writing process. For me, writing is a way of thinking, it's a way of understanding your own thoughts of communicating those thoughts to others, and I think there's a lot of important learning that happens in struggling through that writing process. So I don't want to see ChatGPT remove all of that. You know, it's, it's very useful for functional tasks, and I've told my students, if you want to use ChatGPT to generate your emails to me, go for it. First, your students struggle to know how to write a professional email to their professors, and if this helps them, that's great. It, it fulfills a purely functional task. But if you're trying to think about how to structure an argument or how to reach an audience or how to pull research together, I think something can be lost if, if you use ChatGPT through all those tasks, so the way I'm sort of imagining teaching writing in the future is um, times when I say, yeah, use the machine, let's talk about how it's useful, what you can accomplish with it. But other times where we say, okay, let's, like, let's disable all of these, you know, because ChatGPT and other things, these things are all going to be integrated into all of our programs just like predictive text is now, right? So turn off the ChatGPT option in Microsoft Word, and and stare at that blank page and let's like think about what you get for moving through that process and what kinds of writing you want to have that process with one of the things that i worry about with chatgpt is getting to this sort of like weird echo chamber where the machine is talking to itself right where like i'm using chatgpt to generate my work emails and the person i'm emailing is using it to generate its replies And the machine's just, like, having a, a conversation with itself, and the humans are getting more and more, like, separated from the relationship that you're building with writing, right? And I would hope that students don't lose that connection with their writing being a representation of themselves or a presentation of themselves on the page, um and the relationship that they're trying to build with a human reader and and hopefully not just a machine reader. You know, can you imagine if students are generating their essays in ChatGPT and I'm generating my responses and my feedback in ChatGPT, what a nightmare. Like I don't I don't yeah. want to to see that kind of writing
0: classroom. Well, I started out nervous and I've become pretty optimistic because I don't think people are going to stand for it. I don't think people are going to engage with the boring writing that it generates, I think they're going to demand higher quality and personal connection.
1: Yeah. I think that's especially true when it comes to like leisure reading, right. Or literary reading. I think when it comes to workplace writing, I think this is going to be transformative uh, for writing memos and reports and functional communication, uh, which Could be a good thing. It could relieve people of some of the drudgery of that kind of writing that that can drain your creativity. I mean, I I worry about how it might impact workplace relationships if the machine's doing a lot of the communicating. But I agree with you. I don't think human writers are going to be wiped out by this. Uh, I think we'll always want the personal voice of a human writer, and I hope that this will allow my students who might struggle with just writing a coherent paragraph. To, to be able to, you know, get that coherent paragraph and then think really carefully about style and voice and does this sound like me? And can, you know, even if this is for written delivery versus oral delivery, when people read it, can they hear a voice in their minds? Does it come alive off the page? I'm excited about those
0: possibilities. don't know about you, but my conversation with Meredith Reed, especially as compared to my conversation with ChatGPT itself, left me feeling optimistic about my future job security as a writer. ChatGPT is fine and good, and will get finer and better at the boring stuff, but I don't think anyone's going to be curling up in front of the fireplace with an AI-generated novella anytime soon, or listening to an AI-generated podcast for that matter. As a case in point, I'm going to leave you with a friendly competition between me and ChatGPT. We both took on the limerick challenge again, and this time the subject is ChatGPT itself. You be the judge.
2: There once was a model called ChatGPT whose language skills were hard to beat. It could generate text and answer questions with reflex and make conversations feel complete.
0: I took ChatGPT for a stroll. I admit I was quite skeptical. It chatted with me quite grammatically, but I found it to be rather dull. Thank you for listening to the Y Magazine podcast. If you enjoyed it, maybe have ChatGPT write a rave review for you to post on your podcast app of choice. Or have it write an email about this episode to send to all of your family and friends. Thanks to Sarah Smith Atwood for writing and researching the original article, I chatbot in the spring 2023 issue of Y Magazine. This episode was produced by me, Whitney Archibald, with help from Jarrett Davis and Charles Cranny to generate the voice of ChatGPT. Executive producer, Denia Palmer. Music and mixing by Jarrett Davis.